When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Cultivating Success Podcast. Jeff Sofer and Jonathan Wolfson are brothers and business partners of the top landscaping company, Nature's Experts. Nature's Experts is home to six companies that cater to all your outdoor needs. To learn more about Jeff and Jonathan, simply visit us at www.naturesexperts.com. On the podcast, Jeff and Jonathan bring together other business owners and entrepreneurs to share with you how they developed a prosperous company and how you can too. You will gain insights and meaningful advice on creating the building blocks to success and longevity in the entrepreneurial realm. And now, here are your hosts, Jeff Sofer and Jonathan Wolfson. Good morning. Welcome to the Cultivating Success Podcast. Pete, we're so excited to have you here today. You are in the HVAC business where you're looking to help people grow and scale their HVAC business. I love this because you are really centered around helping a very niche person help really have real clear, concise ideas of how to scale their business. And I am really excited for you to share this process and kind of explain the potential in the industry, maybe, that people don't even realize. Sure, sure. I appreciate you asking me on, Jonathan. So HVAC stands for heating, ventilation, and air conditioning. A lot of people who know that because in their area, they use that terminology, they use that acronym. A lot of other parts of the country and even the world don't. So uh, I kind of throw that out there because some people get confused by that. But it's it's uh, just one of the many service areas. And um, that was the area that I worked in. Um, I started in the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers. And back in 1982, they started me schooling in heating, air conditioning, and actually refrigeration. Mm-hmm. And uh, in 1985, I took that out to the civilian world. And I worked for a contractor. After a few years of working working around, I started my own business, and uh, and I started to realize it was not just about the technical excellence. There was a lot to this in terms of attracting uh, not just customers, but the right kind of customers, and that extended over into employees as well. So, I'd like to know actually. So, when you had your business. How long did it take for you to realize that you don't always look to scale your business? You're looking to find how to scale your business with a certain particular customer. When did you find that out? Well, not from the very beginning, because had I done a little bit of demographic research, I probably would have been able to identify who that ideal customer might have been and put my business location there. But I didn't. I put it where I happened to live. And I lived there because of relatives, and it was not the best market. And so I built a, a high-end business in a average at best uh, area of, uh, of the state where I lived, and just 20 minutes to the northeast, and I really could have been in a nicer area, and and uh, been able to um, be a resource for the right type of customers, those who appreciate that high-end. But it, well, it took even, me a while brings- when I was young. That brings it to marketing also, too, is you can live in an area, but you can market your business in another area also, too. 
you know, technology obviously gives us this information where we don't have to particularly be like our office is in this particular area. We only service this area. You can service a larger area, a greater area, or you can target a particular area that you can drive to that's still convenient because, you know, especially if you're, you know, in the HVAC business, I would assume, you know, it's one person. If you have drive time of an hour a day and besides that, it's going from customer to customer. They're all paying for it. It's not too much dead time. Right, right. And But I, I should clarify that when I had my business, I actually launched in 1989. And at that time, we didn't have the same technology. And so it was it was a bit of an investment to market to a different area with direct mail pieces, yellow pages. Yeah, yellow, yellow pages. I mean, listen, it would, your option would have been to do the yellow pages at the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was pretty expensive. That was uh, the most expensive uh, type of advertising available at that time. And uh so no, I was uh, I was a heating and air conditioning guy who wanted to start a business. I was not a businessman who who understood these concepts. I, it it took trial and error, took training, it took you know, exposure to people who knew, and uh, the competition was a little. Uh, they were very protective of of information, and they were a little bit. Uh, they fought amongst themselves a lot. There was a lot of jealousy. It was a long that- time ago. Very interesting you say that is that whenever me and my brother bought one of our businesses in 2013, that he was an owner who was 75 or so. And, you know, it's not proprietary, the information like it's it's ironic how people make it think that running a business, scaling a business, even the marketing material, none of it is proprietary because guess what? It doesn't it has to have some weight behind it to why someone's going to call you. It's not just because your piece is shiny. It's because of the consistency. They've seen your trucks. It's referrals. It's so many different other components that add in together that really make a company that it's like, if I even you giving the process right now, you have to do everything. You can't do the first thing and the last thing. Yes. And that's kind of why I threw that up there. I know it's a little busy, but there's really only three phases, nine steps, uh, you know, three steps each phase. And uh, the top step, uh, number nine there is scaling. And I get a lot of, get a lot of calls, you know, I want to grow and, and they don't have these other things in place. And to your point, it just doesn't work. Uh, not until you get the other things kind of organized and, and well, you lose customer, your customer service is too poor. So you can't retain customers. Because yeah. there is, you can't really scale a business without some sort of reoccurring customer base. Right. Regardless right. if it's one year, five year, 10 year, that's still a reoccurring base. You know what I mean? A, a, a AC unit doesn't last forever. So if you can, if you're looking to find lifetime customers ultimately. Right, right. So it doesn't matter. The whole concept with greatness, okay, is that you can get, you know, no matter what what service you offer, you can get that service from other people. But what is it about you that they perceive as above average? What do they perceive as great? And that that was a frustration that I had. I would go out and I would offer all the logical reasons why our offer was superior, but they would make an emotional purchasing decision that was generally tied, uh, tied to price uh, you know, because of my market. But uh, yeah, to your point, there, there are different types of customers and we have to we have to learn how to appeal to the right type of customer. And, and that generally uh, starts at the foundation of a good, I, I know this is, uh, this is kind of been uh, spoken to death, but uh, uh, finding the values in common. So when we start our people, 
we go them through their customer reviews and there's generally five buttons that that customers can just press. I think it's um, a professionalism, uh, value, uh, promptness, uh, several others, about five values. But we would go through and read the reviews and right after the compliment would come the value. Pete was terrific. He really took the time to explain uh, how the system worked, whatever. That was that's what they value, right? It's, when we would go through those and we prioritize, we come to realize that you now reviews are why aren't why people call you to begin this with. That's why they call you back. And there, there is a distinction there, but it, it helped us understand the type of customers we were drawing back, and so we compared those values to the owner's values, and lo and behold, there was that commonality, and we could build on that. And uh, but it, it wasn't just values. Uh, there's a lot more to it because uh, unfortunately the customers tend to think they want something, and when you, the expert, you get out there and you explain to them, they come to realize, well, I thought I wanted that, but what I really want now that I've been informed is this over here. And so when we market, we have to take into consideration what they think they want, um, what their feels, fears, apprehensions, and uncertainties are surrounding calling some contractor into their home. It could be anything from a little old lady who's afraid of being robbed with some stranger coming into her home to maybe a, a gentleman who's on business travel a lot. He wants to make sure his family is taken care of. And, does, and so he's thinking more about the professional excellence in the company that can stand behind and know that that heating system is not going to go down in the dead of winter while he's halfway around the world, for example. Mm-hmm. So there's different, there's different values and there's different reasons. But as we sort through that, it's highly emotional. And ultimately we can come into an understanding of why, you know, what it is that my type of customers tend to look for subconsciously as well as consciously and what they respond to. So let's start going through, if you would, because I think I'm, I'm really very interested. I'm in the service industry myself, and I'm very interested in what your process is. If you could actually go through, you know, I've been, I'm looking at, looking right behind you and it says the process. Right. And, so, uh, I'd really love to hear what your process is. Okay, sure. So, so step one, uh, we call it your ultimate customer avatar. And it was a bit what I just mentioned. We spent a lot of time on this. This bottom level actually takes the longest. And it applies to every type of business out there. It doesn't matter you know, who you are, but you come to realize that different uh, types of businesses and different calibers of businesses attract a different type of customer. And so once we understand who our ultimate customer avatar is that we want to go after by analyzing their values, by analyzing their fears, their pains, their uncertainties, and um, by helping them to uh, uh, get past what they think they want, we essentially create this customer avatar with all of these different pieces in place. And then we look at ourselves, step number two, and what is it about you that has attracted these types of customers? We're talking about your I best. I think step number, step number one is interesting because there's a starting point and then there's a growing point because you to start, you have to pick exactly what you want. And then as you're growing, you have to recognize there's opportunity in all of the categories. So uh, in our business, particularly, there's residential, there's commercial, there's HOA, there's high end, there's small jobs, there's removals, there's fertilization, pest control. 
And each one of them particularly can be a very good business on its own. So it is very important. I agree that you have to pick like to me, like looking at this whole process, scaling is not picking all of them. Scaling is or starting You pick your customer. And then when you get to the scaling point, you have to have a metrics of how you're going to work on growing your residential, your commercial, your family, your high end, so on and so forth. Yeah. And thanks for clarifying that, because this is essentially a residential program. And to your point, um, consumers tend to uh, be motivated by fear or emotion and uh, businesses pain. So consumers tend to respond to pain, you know, taking pain away and commercial tends to respond to gain. I want to gain more customers, more make more money, I make higher profits, et cetera, and so forth. So the way I approach my customers is different than the way they approach their customers because it's an emotional thing. But the logic has to be woven in there because people buy for emotional reasons and they justify for those logical reasons. And if you don't have that left brain, right brain thing happen at the same time, you won't get the response. They'll default right. to they'll default to their their normal triggers. If, I don't know if you read seven triggers or not, but there are seven basic triggers that that people automatically uh, revert back to when they make a, a decision, especially a buying decision. And so, um, yeah, so identifying that customer avatar and really dialing in, that's an excellent uh, clarification. So this is primarily a residential um, service and replacement model. And so we figure out what part of that market that we want to go after and who that customer is. And then we decide about ourselves, okay, what is it that they loved about ourselves? And But we don't want to forsake ourselves, what it is that we enjoy doing, what type of work, what type of customers and things like this. And we make sure that it's a good match. Mm-hmm. I read a book years ago that said, there's nothing any worse than climbing the ladder of success just to figure out it was leaning on the wrong building. And so doing this at the fundamental level kind of allows us exactly. to, right, so, to define you know, where we want to go. And so once we figure out that these better customers that are better for us, let's say customers that like our best stuff, you know, and they buy our best products and services and they love us. What is it that, you know, about us that attracted them? And once we clarify that, how do we, um, how do we take that to another level? And how do we, how can we actually find our blue ocean? Are you familiar with that, that book, the blue ocean? No, please go ahead. So in really competitive businesses, like, um, like the restaurant businesses or, in my case, heating and air conditioning, uh, the waters are bloodied with the, you know, the, the shark yeah, that's competition that's there. And so because they're all fighting over the same thing. But if you take your business, your brand and your identity, if you sail past those bloodied waters out into blue waters where there is very little competition or no competition, you tend to have to be much more successful, and much more profitable. And so a blue ocean would be your uniqueness in your service or um, maybe it's your unique approach to service. And so that really, that really comes though, when you get farther along in business, <clears throat> because then it, that's really ultimately what you're saying is the word of mouth gains and of your business being able to grow exponentially faster with the same amount of marketing that you've always done, actually. Yes. So, but what we're doing on the front end is we're tapping into uh, our interest and we, we do the market research and we kind of, we can kind of see where the opportunities are. Um, if we start a business and I've done this, just doing heating and air conditioning based on just the work itself. Um, 
you know, I knew from the from the beginning not to set my not to drop my prices because the customers that come to you for low prices will leave you and go to somebody else because of lower prices. Always. So, Always. So, so that was important. And so it was a focus on quality. But the, the blue ocean strategy, your ability to stand out, um, this is really imperative and it's fundamental to your marketing message. What the, the most important thing is that of that impression. It's not just the words, it's the imagery. You know, does it, let's say that my core values for my company that my customers love are professionalism. They want somebody that actually cares. They want somebody with honesty, integrity, and, and, and good communication, and they want technical excellence. So all four of these would be taken into consideration before I have a visual conception of this company. It, they, it better look professional, not silly cartoonish, right? It better look like we, the expression on the face might look you know, like he's caring or she's caring or they, they have an honest look. In the verbiage, it should speak to that. You know, technical excellence, maybe we have certification, all these different subconscious things that we insert in there. Right. Uh, yeah. You know, pictures worth a thousand words yeah. leaves them with this feeling. And if if you're not unique, if you're not, if you don't stand out, if you're not blue oceaned in some way, then you're just somebody else. Maybe you're the specialist. Um, we I've got a, a customer of mine in, in Las Vegas, and he's he's rebranding from just a standard heating and air conditioning, and he saw that. The government is pushing everything all electric, okay? And so in our industry, that means they're getting away from gas and everything's going heat pump. So he went and bought drheatpump.com and he's building an image around, you know, you've got a heat pump, don't just call anybody, call a specialist. And so the, the mindset there is, you know, if, if I want this done right, then, then I probably need to speak directly with a heat That's pump. That's smart, yeah. And not just a yeah. generalist. Right. Yeah, that's definitely very intuitive, obviously, in the industry that you think has been the same for so long. It really hasn't. It has changed. It's, it's changed a lot. And I've been in the industry over 40 years. Like I said, I started in 1982. And the things that I've seen are just pretty uh, are tremendous. But by the same token, it's the same in a lot of ways. And people are the same. It's just that, you know, the culture's changed and and society's changed in terms of how we process things and, and how we use information. And so because so much information is available, um, your customers a lot of times will bring information to you that that you generally have to, you know, that I had to back in my time teach my customers. And, right. and sometimes sometimes the information is not very accurate. So uh, here's that. But um, to finish that first level, once you realize you know who you need to be in order to satisfy that customer this requires you know this requires a, an alignment in those values if this customer wants honest integrity i darn well be an honest i need to be an honest company with integrity and i actually have to care if that's what they want and i actually have to like to communicate and so that moves us into the next third step which is your culture of champions and this is i found this out the hard way i don't know if you have I'd really have this wonderful customer. I'd hire somebody just based on their experience and they would come in and just muddy up all the relationship because they didn't deliver anywhere near a similar experience uh, for the customer. And so the value, there was a misalignment. And uh, so if you're about, you know, quality of work. It's it's extremely important. You know, an HVAC business is probably a little bit different than, than my service business is because my service business operates in groups. So, but the HVAC business operates in individual leaders, salesmen, and technicians. 
they have a all encompassing job that the job is sold when they get there, but there might be other problems that they need to be able to explain to the customer to either upsell, to change, to obviously give them the right result that they're looking for. And I feel like that is definitely a much harder industry because you have to go by what somebody can do first. And then, but you don't know how they're going to act when they're not around you. It's like a very, I could see that be a complicated stage right there. Well, um, there's several roles. And one of the most important roles is the frontline service technician. So what happens is if you call somebody out, the salesperson doesn't come out. The installer doesn't come out. It's the repairman, uh, the service technician. And what we've done in, as an industry is we've started pushing them into little, little salespeople in uniform. Right. And but with HVAC greatness, we kind of we've pushed away from that. We've gone over to what we call the consultative service call. And it's designed to inform the customer and in, take all this technical stuff and put it in a uh, deliver it in a way that they can kind of understand what it means to to them. Because that's yep. the subconscious question we all ask ourselves all the time. What does this mean to me? Well, your widget thingamajigger is broken. OK, what does that mean to me? I mean. Is the house going to burn down? What's this going to cost? You know, these different questions pop up. So, so that's very important. So that that front line person is critical. And he or she are the ones that in the way they're trained and the way the process or what dictates does the salesperson or what we call in our industry a comfort advisor or comfort so what, what level of an HVAC business do you recommend to have a designated salesperson? Generally, once you have... Um, your your installation crew, which is usually two people, uh, are up at what we call full capacity. In other words, they're pretty much doing new equipment replacement on a daily basis. That generally means that a two person crew they replace the system in about a day, so they need to they need about four to five systems sold per week, and generally that requires about three estimates per sale on average. And so about 15 estimates and a couple hours a piece, you pretty much need a full-time salesperson at that point. Hmm. Very interesting. Please proceed. This is really a great process you've set forth so far to really kind of slow down to speed up for people to have a clear right. vision of how they need to build, build up their business. Right, right. So once we do this internal work on our own values and what's important to us and what's important to our customers in that alignment, we find people who will fit into this uh intentionally create a culture because culture is a reality of every company, whether you're in control of that or, or your employees are, or your prima donnas are. And so we take uh, ownership of that from the get-go and we only hire people who have those values. You know, they must have those core values before we'll even consider them. Even if we have to train them on the technical side ourselves, we make sure that they're honest, that they actually care about people, yep. that they have certain qualities about them that fit. Absolutely. And then we look at the, the specific role as to what key characteristics that would include. So if I'm requiring a checklist on a service procedure, check one, check two, check three, and I've hired Joe Mechanic, who I've done this for 15 years, I don't need any stinking checklist, and he does it and does his thing, there's a misalignment. It's not going to be done the way that we've asked it to be done. But, you know, there's a reason pilots have checklists before they take off in the air, and and so we have reasons for the way we do things as well. And so once we find the right people, then we've got the foundation. We've got the right customers. We've got our right, you know, basic identity and understanding of who we are and what it is that attracts those customers. And we surround ourselves with people that fit that. 
And from there, we move into what we call the X factor. And the X factor is everything that kind of makes you special in terms of perception of the company. So yeah, uh, we call these uh, your triggers, your customers' uh, triggers. And so customers um, historically do things, uh, let's just say one of the triggers is there's the trigger of friendship. And this is why your salesperson you know, can wants to work on building rapport and getting that part handled because people like to do business with people that they, they like, they know, and they trust. We've all heard that, but particularly what they like. But um, they also, there's the trigger of uh, authority. Okay, is this person, okay, he's honest, but does he know what he's doing, right? I like him, but will he do me a good job? And so when these two work together, those are extremely powerful. So in knowing that, we bring this up, this becomes all part of the conversation, but we also get into these other things like the consistency trigger. And that consistency in us is everything that we do congruent. Do I come out and, and ask you to make a $20,000 investment in a new system in a beat up truck with my shirt tails hanging out and papers on the <laughs> dashboard, right? Are you going to write? Nobody ever does that. I'm going to fix you a new unit and put you a new air conditioner, you know, just really mechanic, technical, blue collar type feel. Or would you write even a thousand dollar check for repair you know, I'll, let me see if I go truck get the proper replacement unit uh, part or get you a part that works versus let me check my service vehicle for a rep- proper replacement component so that we can restore the proper operation. And, and, and so the vocabulary, the uniform, everything, there needs to be a consistency on our end, but customers are true to their consistency on their end. And so in knowing that, when they go to the gas pump and they see these different options of gas with different color codes and different numbers that go up in octane as the price of the per gallon goes up, we put all of our pricing together in a similar fashion so that we have, we have these premium options and they, this is consistent with how they buy uh, their fuel or maybe on our online, this is consistent with what they know on Amazon. And so when we align uh, our services that are consistent to what they're familiar with, they tend to just, they fall naturally into this category. This is why we give multiple options. Because if you don't give multiple options to your customers, you're forcing your customer to consider you one option in order to get those multiple options, you've got to go to your competition. So we try to bring that all to them in a way that is already consistent with how they behave. And while there's consistently giving like a, a good, better, best option to the customer, Yes, but we lead with best and then go to better and then go to good because we'll never sell anything that we don't offer. So we make sure they see our very best first. And then if that's just not within your budget, let's step down a little bit. These, this is still really good. It does this. It just doesn't have this level of things, you know, and, and then if that's too much, we'll step down again. So we gradually bring them down to a point where they bounce back and they said, no, I'll stay up at, at this level here. It could be your be- the very best. I think it was Canon did a did a study on this where they had three camera options. I know these numbers are going to be wrong. I think the basic camera was $80, the mid-range camera was uh, you know $150 and the top camera was was $300 or or $400, $400. And so they consistently sold that mid-tier offering. But what they did is they come in and into that to that original three cameras, they added a fourth one 
that was really expensive, like $800. And all of a sudden they saw a shift towards what used to be their best. And they got a huge amount of those uh, cameras began to sell because people kind of psychologically are consistent to themselves. I don't want them. Yeah, some people just gravitate towards, I just want the best period. I just, some do. But what is that? 10, 12% at, mo- at the most, most people are in that mid range and they'll be somewhere. Well, I don't want the cheapest and I, I really don't want the very best. They're going to be somewhere in, in the middle. And the second best seems to be the best seller. Interesting. Keep leading us to greatness here. HVAC greatness. <laughs> so, yeah. So as we go through these triggers and, and there are several others, uh, we are, we start to implement these into our company elements so that our companies are, are visual representation of all these different things. Right. So mm-hmm. like our price books, our what we call could put pricing on, on our systems and then repairs. And these are psychologically uh, positioned in a way that drives the eye to where we would like them to go. And it's not for deceptive reasons. It's quite honestly because it's best for us, it's best for them, and we can stand behind it. Because one of the things that our customers get most excited about are these wonderful warranties. Because you don't want a heating and air conditioning. Says, I'll, I'll give you a. Have you heard the expression? Uh, why did the Why did the man buy a drill bit from the hardware store? No, tell me. Okay, so uh, the answer on that is he doesn't want the drill bit. Right? He wants the quarter inch hole in his wall. That's why he bought the drill. Right. But to take it to the next level, he doesn't want a hole in his wall. He wants to be able to drill the holes in so that he can mount this like cool toy to the wall where his little four year old kid can safely climb up on there and not tip it over because so that he can be a hero to his son. That's why he bought the quarter inch drill bit. It's emotional. Everything's tied to emotion. Hmm. And so when we weave this through our identity and through our key elements, um, it starts to resonate, not with everybody, but it does resonate with these right type of customers that we've designed this around. Okay. And so then we have what we call an ultimate connection strategy, because we have to go through the transition of total stranger to, you know, we're a team now because people have their circle of friends. You know, you're, you're either in here or you're out there and I don't trust you. You know, I've got my family, I've got my neighbors, I've got my friends. But then as, you know, as I get out there and live, I have my barber and I have my accountant, right? I have my lawn and garden guy, right? I have my heating and air guy, my plumber, my lecturer, whatever that is, but you have to get from the outside to the inside. And that requires a little bit of a strategy because different people respond to different things. And so we, we've, these things throughout the customer experience. So if we've done it right, not only have we created emotional attachment, but we've created emotional entanglement as well. And entanglement being those types of things like, you know, we service your equipment twice a year, come out and clean everything, make sure it's in proper operation before we send it into the hot summer months or to the cold winter months. So uh, if we've done that right, um, I lost my thought. So yeah, that the uh, the whole process is about making that connection. So interesting, so interesting, so interesting. You know, there's so many different points as it relates to running and operating a business. You know, you don't have to be starting your business to start going through a process like this. You can have a business, and you can have a diverse customer mix, and your diverse customer mix might just need to be narrowed down. And it doesn't mean you have to cancel customers or cancel jobs, but you can at any time really refocus your business and say, you know, you know what? 
I think I'm just doing too much for too many different types of customers. And I really don't know the direction of my business. And I really feel like, you know, a process that you've set forth can really slow somebody down to pick their exact customer, to work towards marketing to that customer, because you can't market the same as some of your big competition who already have word of mouth. You know, their messaging might be more simple because they're wanting to show staying power. You know, your customer speaking to it, you might want to be more emotional based to uh, illustrate trust, like we talked about. You know, I feel like, you know, it's interesting how some people, as they're growing their business, you know, it's normal to look inside what other people do. And you're like, oh, man, you know, Bill down the street, his business is just absolutely booming. And this is what he does. And he's done it for 40 years. And then think that what he does actually would work for you if you're a new newer business owner. You know, if you're in business for five years and the next person's been in business for 25 years, their messaging is does not have to be dialed in quite the same because they already have a larger pool of customers that they've reached, connected with, and helped. And restarting the process, I think you could do almost literally at any time at different phases of your business for different customers that you want to market also. Yeah, well said, well said. So, but there... There tends to be, there's different ways of defining this, of course, but there's there's three basic categories out there. There's there's the value-based customers and they're looking for the sales and the promotions and that's that's really what drives them. And then there's the experience-based customers, right? They've they've been burnt before and they're gonna look for quality and they're gonna they're gonna ask how long you've been in business, they're gonna want to know about your insurance, they're gonna know that one of these kind of things. They're looking for stability, right? And they want good quality work. You know, they they understand that a cheap price may ultimately be the most expensive price because they're going to have to have somebody else come back and do it right. Then there's that group in between. And there's our opportunity a lot of times because a lot of these experience-based customers already have a relationship with your competition because they've been around forever. And unless you're in the right place at the right time um, to receive those customers, maybe they moved to town or and they're looking for somebody and they they see your identity and it resonates with them, that that would be good. But that mid- range and even that 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 value range we have to have a process that brings them along and educates them and, and gets them over to the point where they understand our value and it, i mean you don't ask your wife to marry on the first date there's there's a process and so you, you get That's to know each sure. other right you, you go on a few dates and, and and things take a natural course and so that's what we try to do in a structure so that it's not dependent on the experience of the individual out there. They just follow our process. And it and, and because we train and we do have role playing and things like that, we have a process that allows them to stay uh, consistent. And there's that consistency thing again, like uh, franchises. And that's why they're so uh, popular with, with the public is people don't like bad surprises. They like you know, McDonald's French fries, for example, the, no matter what McDonald's you go into, they're going to taste the same. They're the same potato cooked in the same grease at the same temperature for the same amount of time and probably about the same amount of salt and th- th- things like this. Um, when you go out and deliver, one of your employees goes out and delivers a level of service and they do these things. And then the next person comes out and they don't. The customer doesn't measure, in at least in our business, our quality based on their understanding of the technical aspect because they don't really understand that. They judge that based on their filters. You know, did he do the things 
that the other company, the other person did, because the, the other person does this every time. This guy must not know what he's doing or must not care or something like that. So we have to provide that consistency uh, as well. Oh, Pete, I think this has been a really uh, enlightening conversation. And I love speaking with people that specifically work in niche businesses where they really can target and help people specifically with exactly the problem and exactly the solution that they're looking for. So I'd like to know where can our listeners um, come and connect with you to get your help? Okay. So um, my business is hvacgreatness.com. And I I have a .com uh, email addresses, but the primary one I use for simplicity is hvacgreatness at gmail.com. That's not posted behind me, but uh, uh, hvacgreatness.com or hvacgreatness. Email me at hvacgreatness uh, at gmail.com. And uh, yeah, shoot me if you're interested in learning a little bit about the process and how we do it. And this kind of stuff, um, it applies to pretty much any industry, but my focus, my experience, my passion is heating and air conditioning. And I have that right down to step by step uh, uh, because of my experience. But uh, you well, have I'm to. A very, I'm a very big proponent for people using coaches and connecting with people to help, you know, shore up their their weaknesses. And I think oh, yeah. that for a business owner, particularly at any point, you know, a business coach is different than what you have to offer. What you have to offer specifically is really slowing down to work through a process, to making sure you're on path, and then giving you tools to figure out now you're ready to scale. So I think it's awesome. Well, I can speak from experience. When I was 27 years old, I brought in my first, well, I, went, I attended external coaching in a, in a group setting. We did it for a year. Oh my gosh, what a difference. Yep. What a difference. We did not have to do it that old way. There was a better way. And so, yeah, you know, years later, you know, it's that that's what we're doing. You know, we're trying to help these young guys, you know, get around all that pain and, and setbacks that come with growth because growth only comes through exerting and overcoming. But uh, it sure does. It's doesn't also hard to, to do it. It's also hard to do it by yourself. So it, it really like is. I mentioned before, if you're, you know, two guys in the field full time and a salesperson and you're in the office managing the business or depending what you prefer to like to do. You know, it's a uh, it's it's hard to find people that actually can help support you during that particular start in the journey, and it's really, you know, it's nothing but hard work at that time, and you're really in the trenches. And the hard part is that you sometimes can't see out of them, and you don't know if you're going the wrong direction. That's true. You're too close, and um, that's why every industry, like on the financials, they have key performance indicators where they can compare against you know their metrics against other successful companies and kind of see how they align themselves. And if you don't, that's kind of what the way it works with coaches is they can kind of compare what you're doing to other people that are successful or or not. And they'll they'll reel you in and say, well, you need to spend less time over there and more time over here, for example. Um, well, Pete, thanks again for joining us in the Cultivating Success podcast. It was great to have you on here. And I hope our listeners reach out to you because I think you have a lot you can offer them. Thanks again for joining us. Well, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. This has been the Cultivating Success Podcast with Jeff Sofer and Jonathan Wolfson. To learn more about Jeff and Jonathan and their businesses, visit www.naturesexperts.com.